you're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for November 20th, 2022, the last Sunday after Pentecost, Christ the King. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. Well, good morning, all, and good morning to those of you who are streaming with us this morning. And it's a funny thing to follow good morning with the truth that we're all going to die. I mean, we don't know when, but we're all going to die. This is not something we talk about much, but we all know it. And I can say from experience that the older you get, the more this is on your mind. It's though something that seemed way off in the distance may not seem so far in the distance. And I wonder if you might take just a flash moment here for a moment, as they say in the double moment, and think about your own funeral. If you are buried from St. Mark's, the, the tower bell outside this wall will toll with great solemnity during the commendation, and your family and your friends will kneel and contend with the finality of your death and with that holy wonder of where are you now? This past week, I reread that poem that we all read in high school, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and I was completely blown out of the water by the brilliance of John Donne. And as you remember in the poem, he, he talks about how we're all so connected one to another that uh, for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. That, that, that everybody who dies, we die a little bit of a death. And those of you who are St. Mark's people, you know the truth of this because on All Saints Sunday, when we read the necrology, that list of 180 to 200 names of people who've died, loved ones in our congregation, there is a deep, deep silence in the congregation as people contend with death. And it's impossible to hear that list being read and not to think that one day my name is going to be read from that altar and, and my friends are just for a flicker of a moment are going to remember me. So the bell tolls for thee and for me and for each of us. So we live with the knowledge of uh, our own death that we're going to die. This is one of the distinguishing characteristics of what it means to be human. And it, obviously this is the grist of, of the great philosophical thinkers and the French existentialists and rock and rollers and beat poets, those, uh, those who are published and those who are not, and literary giants and mystics and sages. And it's the stuff of average Joes and Josephines sitting at a bar stool or around a kitchen table. And it's the stuff of our thoughts. And it's the stuff of what happens sometimes when you're kneeling in church and it just crosses your mind that someday I'm going to die. From the biblical perspective, uh, our death and our knowledge of our death uh, is a result of being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. It's the result of being kicked out of paradise. And in fact, the, uh, in a sense, the whole arc of the Bible uh, is the story of what happened from being kicked out of paradise 
and our desire and how it is that we get back into paradise and it's the story of in the new testament of uh, in the new testament of through the aegis of jesus how it is that we get back there the uh, bible begins in such a way that when it gets to the book of revelation we hear uh, jesus speaking to the churches that's the that's the beginning portion of the book of revelation and and jesus is saying uh, let anyone who has an ear to listen to what the spirit is saying to the churches to everyone who conquers i will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of god from a biblical perspective we all suffer from paradise deficit disorder that is what the human condition is that's what the fall was all about we are para we are paradise people living in a post-lapsarian world uh, we can't get what we're wired for and all all trouble ensues i remember when i taught uh theology at the kent school i had a i had a young man who was English is a second language and he wrote in his essay when I was asking about this he said well when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden all hell broke loose <laughs> I gave him an A I, 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 I mean he was absolutely right I had to write on it it's not appropriate to cuss uh, in an academic essay but anyway uh, I gave him an A because he was right so we're made for paradise and that's what chapter 2 of the Bible is about Adam, you know, Adam is formed and Eve out of his rib and they live in the immediate palpable presence of God. God walks in the garden with them. That's what we were made for, according to the Bible. Then comes chapter 3. And chapter 3 is the fall. It is paradise lost. It is chaos. It is the disturbing disorder. And if you look at the Reredos right now, uh, the bottom portion of the Reredos, which you cannot see, is the story of Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. But when you move up to the, that enigmatic man and woman uh, in what looks like an ovary or an apple, uh, that is humanity's return to God in that big swoop. And the first of the icons is about a pound of a knot of nails welded together. You can't really see it, it's so recessive but perhaps you'll look at it at the end of church. And that knot of nails is what happened when you get booted out of paradise. So the word paradise is derived from the Persian word for a walled garden. And it came to refer to the royal gardens. And the Persian king would invite people into the sumptuous gardens. And he called them companions of the garden. They were companions of paradise and you could walk with the king now around 500 BC around the time when the Israelites were exiled in Babylonia the word paradise became a part of the of the conceptual lingua of the Hebrew people and they began to refer to the story of Adam and Eve which dates back to nearly 2000 BC uh, they began to talk about that garden as paradise. And then by the time the New Testament comes, by, by Jesus' time, uh, the word paradise becomes synonymous with heaven. 
And we see that very clearly in St. Paul's writings. St. Paul, uh, who, whose whole uh, ministry of sorts began with the mystical experience when the heavenly glorified Jesus, knocked him off his horse and knocked some sense into him, so to speak. The second mystical experience that really uh, defined Paul's understanding was Paul being caught up in what he calls the third heaven or paradise. And he says, to the, he says to the, in the second letter to the Corinthians, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. There's a, there's a, a mystic who lived in England, a, an Anglican mystic, Richard Roll, who said that Paul was being ravished out of his fleshly feeling. So what, what's happening to Paul here? What Paul is trying to describe to us is that he is ravished in ecstasy as he's caught up into the dimension that we call paradise. And he says that he heard inexpressible things. And that's what says it all, right? He, he, there's no expressions to express what he experienced. We have words for things we have experienced. We name that which we experience. Since we don't experience it, we don't have words for paradise. His, his apprehension of the beatific knows no words. And even all of the metaphorical language that we use about gardens and, and, and the river of life and the fruit of life, that he, Paul just takes a pass on that. There's no words to describe the experience of being in this dimension. And he goes on to tell us later in the letters, you, if you're a fan of Paul, you know, Paul can't decide whether or not it's better to live or die because his experience of paradise was so great, he, he, he wants to go be with Jesus in paradise. But then he decides, well, I guess I have a good ministry and I'll stay with you. That's kind of what he's basically saying. So today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the end of the liturgical year and the last word of the last gospel on the last day of the liturgical year is paradise. And this is gospel good news. This is about what the Ark of the Bible is about. There's a lot to say about a lot of that, but I'm going to skip right to the uh, end. And the so-called repentant thief on the cross says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So in Hebrew, the word remember is different than our word remember. So when we remember somebody, we have a thought of them. And in Hebrew, if you remember somebody, it's a call to action. And so the repentant thief is saying something like, Jesus, don't forget me. Have mercy on me. And when you come into your kingdom, do something about my sorry, my sorry state and make it good. That's basically what he's saying. So John Milton wrote 1,000 verses in his epic poem, Paradise Lost, and Jesus delivers an epic one verse, and it's paradise found. 
Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So anytime Jesus says, truly I tell you, we have to hearken our ear. So it, if you read earlier in older biblical translations, oftentimes you get verily, verily, or you get amen, amen, which really is amen. But we use amen at the end to say, so be it. But if you put amen at the beginning of the sentence, it, what it is saying is, hey, listen up. But the reason you are to listen up is that amen implies that what follows is not only true, but the person who's saying it has the first-hand knowledge and the authority to talk about its truth. So when Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, he's saying, I have lived this. I know this. I know this because it's my life. And then he says, today. That's about probably the greatest statement of one word of all time, today. So he didn't say to the thief, you know, after the communal resurrection of the dead or after you get done with purgatory because you were one bad dude, he says, today. In other words, after you die, you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus says two things from the cross. The first one is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in this, Jesus is working as our high priest. It's from the book of Hebrews, our high priest. But when he says, today you will be with me in paradise, he's the king. He is the king, the spiritual king, making a ruling about his spiritual kingdom. He is ruling from the cross. And note the importance of, you will be with me. So, in Persia, you could be companions of the garden and walk with the king. In the Garden of Eden, you could walk with the garden. You can walk in the garden with God. And what he is saying is, today we will be companions together in paradise. There it is. I mean, is that not what we all want? I mean, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And in the end, do we not want to know the truth of what Jesus says to this man? Truly today, you'll be with me in paradise. And who amongst us doesn't want to be ravished by ecstasy? We're made to be ravished by ecstasy. This is why we have such a problem with drinking and drugs in our culture. We're made for this and we can't get it. And so we look for it some other place. But we are made to be ravished in ecstasy in paradise. And we all want to get there. So how do you get there? There is, if the die, right? But there's, a, there's an even maybe deeper story, and it's about the most fun. There's never such thing as a fun sermon. This is a fun sermon. It's about two minutes on YouTube, and it's called, The Man on the Middle Cross Told Me I Could Come. And 
I, I think this preacher is Scottish. I think it's a Presbyterian church. I don't know what it is. But I've listened to it about 400 times. And in the story, as the preacher tells it, the thief on the cross dies and he goes to paradise. And the angels are trying to figure out how this happened. How did this guy get here? He didn't do anything right, right? You know, he did everything wrong. He, he did everything wrong. And his response is, I don't know. The man on the middle cross said I could come. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.